0: Hey folks, uh, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Paul Spain here. Uh, great to be with you once again. Now we have uh, a special guest on the show today, Greg Shanahan. Welcome along to the show, Greg. Hello How are you, you? Good, thanks, Paul. How are you? Well, good. You know, despite these these crazy times, we're soldiering on, as it were, and um, you know, appreciative that we've reached the next phase and that we're at um, we're d- back down to uh, to level three. It
1: seems like we've been home forever.
0: It does. It, yeah. <laughs> it feels like this is, this is just how the world works. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think everyone's ready, ready for, uh, for things to lift and for really everything to get back into operation. You know, the, the technology can do a bit for us, but uh, it's actually really nice to be able to, um, you know, see people face to face and start supporting and interacting, you know, with a much broader range of, of businesses than we're able to do f- from home now let's uh, let's jump in um first of all a huge thank you to the brands that are supporting the new zealand uh, tech podcast and uh, uh keeping us on air and also for their support of the technology uh, sector in new zealand uh, samsung hp vocus spark vodafone and sumo logic so Thanks. Uh, thanks to them. Now, um, in tech, tech sort of gadget news. I suppose um, there's been a few interesting things this week. The uh, DJ Mavic, uh, DJI uh, Mavic Air has uh, has arrived. Um, a bit of a refresh there from uh, from DJI, and of course, you know they're in this incredibly uh, fortunate position uh, as a, uh, a a Chinese company. Um, you know, one of I guess one of a fairly small number of Chinese companies to really uh, dominate in their their sector of uh, uh, technology, and you know they really own the very large majority of the um, of the drone market globally. And uh, so, you know, any time that they launch a new drone or they refresh an, an existing one, as they've just done with the uh, DJI Mavic Air. Uh, refreshed it to the Mavic Air 2. There are a bunch of people that are very interested in this, and uh, I guess that there's that sort of natural upgrade cycle that we're we're sort of used to, and we'll talk about it soon in regards to the new um, iPhone um, SE um two as it's being referred to although apple don't put two on the name but um yeah it looks like a good uh a good refresh there from uh dji upping the battery life from 21 minutes to 34 uh minutes um looking at the new zealand pricing looks like uh if you buy it with its um fly more bundle which tends to be how these things are are most commonly sold so with some spare batteries and um uh, a few extra bits and pieces. It's going to come in around the two thousand um, dollar mark, um, but yeah, a pretty uh, pretty capable uh, little package at that price. Um, now to the um, the iPhone SE uh, two. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week, and. Um, needless to say it uh it arrived it launched in new zealand officially on uh, on friday uh i think it arrived for me probably thursday and i've been having a good little play around with it now as a as a phone um the se is is very much the the affordable iphone and although you can go for some of the older models and you can still buy in New Zealand, for instance, an iPhone 7, you've got to realise that's that's many generations old in terms of the, the embedded technology. Um, the iPhone SE2... Looks and a lot of its parts, the cameras and the like, uh, looks exactly like the iPhone eight. So again, older technology, but it's got the newest the newest chips and this you know the the same as is in the iPhone um, eleven and the and the eleven Pro. So I, I guess you know what I see is that that's this phone will be a good fit for those that have been holding on to an iPhone for a few years and it's uh, really reached the end of its life. Um, if I compare it to buying an android handset at a similar price so it's, it's launching here at um dollars. probably the thing that stands out to me is um a if you're an iphone user and you want to stay on iphone um and you don't want to spend um you know top dollar on on one of the the higher end models um, you know, you're getting a lot of the capabilities of those um, those top smartphones, but with a, a smaller a smaller screen, lots of uh, lots of bezel at the top and bottom, so it doesn't it doesn't look anywhere near as uh, um, cool as the newest phones in those regards. Um, and it's taken me a little bit of getting used to as I've been using it over the last few days um, with that smaller screen compared to the newer models. But in terms of most of the functionality. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty good compared to the current phones. It's certainly, you know, just as fast. Um, and the um, the smart things that they've done with the camera with, um, their newest chip, uh, also means you've got, um, you've got pretty nice, uh, photography capabilities as well. So, um, I think it, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a thumbs up, um, um, and look, there there is one point that really differentiates it from most of the androids for me, and that is that when you buy a new iPhone, security updates and operating system updates are um, are likely to keep flowing for you know you know maybe maybe four years or so, uh, possibly even five in some cases. So your ability to get a, a reasonable um, life out of it is um, is is actually pretty good, whereas a lot of Androids, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, getting, getting past um, two years in terms of updates is, um, you know, something of an, an exception to the rule. So, you know, really with an Android phone after a couple of years, uh, if you want it to be safe and secure um possibly you should be kicking it to the curb um sad to say um so you know in terms of bang for buck you've you've got to weigh weigh that up and i know there's a lot of people that are using iphones that are um you know four years old or so and and have got on okay so yeah, worth worth considering um but of course it depends what your preference is now greg what do you use are you a, an iphone or an, Andro- or an android man I'm an iPhone guy and
1: um, after having my um, phone for too long a time yeah I've got an iPhone 11 it's amazing so I yeah, yeah. love my phone and Excellent. particularly good in lockdown
0: yeah yeah well it's it's pretty handy having um, having a good phone right I mean it does so much of of what a, of what a full blown computer can do now um and um actually the the new ipad pro um arrived uh today but mistakenly shipped to the office um which uh not much use to me at the moment um so we can't we can't talk about that but um we'll delve into that maybe uh next week but yeah between the iphone and the ipad they're getting pretty capable and um you know similar on the android side in terms of being able to do a, a lot of what in the old days you would have had to uh, use a laptop for right
1: oh absolutely it's sort of a uh, complete appliance i've been surprised well i knew that the camera was going to be good but the sound system's incredible so you can listen to youtube videos or whatever you want to do um without you know having a deterioration in the quality of sound that you're getting so I tend to use my phone way too much.
0: Yeah, you do need to remember to um, to to charge it when you're using it all day, every day for uh, for things. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Excellent. Um, and you're and you're joining us today direct from your um your iPhone as well, right? So uh, yeah, using
1: my iPhone um direct from Shanahan Central and and Devonport. Excellent. Uh, working from home as everyone else has been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, the other gadget which we'll we'll talk about um, more on another episode because I haven't um, haven't got as as far as I'd like to with trying it out. Um, but it just is a really nice looking piece of equipment. Is the new um, Dell XPS thirteen, and uh, you can you can see it there. Um, I part way through setting up. Uh, windows on it and of course you can only see it if you're watching our live stream so apologies for that because i know most most of our listeners are listening not watching um every now and then i forget that when we're doing a, a live stream um but uh it's it's a pretty slick and sleek looking uh laptop i gotta gotta say so uh, i'm i'm certainly looking forward to um uh having a bit more of a play with um with the new dell xps uh, 13 which uses the latest uh uh, tenth gen uh, processors from uh, from Intel. Uh, now on to I guess there's there's really as there has been every week all sorts of uh, discussions and, and and topics that are in some way uh, linked to COVID nineteen and this um, you know current crisis that we're in. Um, first up. Was the news that uh, Australia have launched their um, a contact tracing app, and they're calling it COVID Safe, and it looks to, um, from everything I've heard about it, be basically the um, the technology that was launched in uh, in Singapore, and Singapore have sort of really been pushing along their population to. Um, uh to install that and and they've been you know slowly getting to a, a you know a, a bigger percentage of the population. Australia just launched uh Covid Safe over the weekend and last I heard they passed uh 2 2 million um downloads which is well uh, it's a, you know it's a it's a lot of people for an app um but of course, you're, you're still only talking around, a, you know, a tenth of the uh, the, the population um, as, as to be the level they're at at the moment, and so you know they'll be very much hoping that they can get this out to, um, you know, to a much uh, larger number of um, of people. And um, we, I actually had some um, some screenshots for, forwarded over. Um, of it, and it looked like a reasonably uh, reasonably simple process to get up and running, which I think is really important for this type of app. If we're expecting you know large a large percentage of the population to go ahead um, and install such an app, you really want it to be a very um, you know quick and light process. Um, in order to get up and running and it looks to be a, a you know a reasonably light process um it a- is asking you for some personal details sort of name um they ask for for age or age range postcode and your and your mobile number and then um you've got to give the app uh, bluetooth access and notifications and by getting bluetooth and notifications that means presuming they're not doing anything sort of sneaky um on the bluetooth front that it is not storing or, or on other fronts where they could track location but it is not storing your location so it's it's more just keeping a record of other people that uh, or other people's devices that you come into contact with uh so from that um privacy perspective You know, in theory, people should be able to be pretty relaxed. And it sounds like the New Zealand um, app, which is also, uh, well, which has been announced or or confirmed, um, is going to be here within a week or two. And uh, that will be somewhat similar, but it sounds like they're trying to get a little bit more information. So they want to use this app not just to do the contact tracing. Um, but I've seen saw mention of um, it being utilized to also confirm I guess a a tie-in um, between individuals and their their current address so as to update uh, New Zealand's health database I'm not I'm not so sure about whether they should be mixing those those two things but I guess it depends on on their approach and how they um, how they roll that out. What are your thoughts? Greg should, should the- uh,
1: I was just thinking on whether or not they'd considered harmonizing with Australia
0: mm, um,
1: mm. from the point of view that if we went into a sort of an economic bubble um, with uh, Australia and that was where most of our international travel was coming from.
0: So you're you're talking about if we end up in a sort of a bubble with with Australia, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. and I you know I wonder what compatibility we will see because there's certainly the potential, there's certainly that 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 potential there for New, New Zealand to um, be be linked up with uh, not just Australia, but potentially um, other other locations um, such such as Australia. Um, I heard some suggestion maybe there would be a possibility of that also um, happening with um, with Taiwan as well. Um, so yeah, talking about um, contact tracing, yeah, some interesting thinking there around whether whether we should be using um, an app that you know possibly works in with um, what's being used in other countries such as Australia. It would certainly make. Travel something that is is less worrying when we know there's an ability to actually contact trace. Uh, you know, even if people have um, um, you know left our shores or or, or vice versa. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's an interesting thinking. Um, so yeah, look, I'm I think it's uh, it's good that they're la- launching this um, a little bit behind the other countries, but it you know it's probably the this time now going forward where it becomes really, uh, really important. So obviously, the, you know, the earlier we have access to the, this technology, the better in many regards. But, um, you know, the, it's not as though the country's in a state where we're absolutely ravaged with COVID-19. Um, it's it's how we then, you know, minimise the impact when, um, you know, when there are future in, infections. So, yep, I'm I'm hopeful Could that that,
1: that plays it? out well. Particularly if those infections are likely to come from someone in Australia or outside the country, mm. and I'm sure they've they've thought of that so um they might...
0: <laughs> they've always thought of everything <laughs> um but look yeah, yeah i'm uh, I'm encouraged that we've got something something coming and and you know look there, there's a there's a level of um you know hindsight um by coming a little bit later. It lets you take learnings from from what others have done, and um, you know sometimes it makes sense to do something uh, that's a little bit different or has some improvements on what's 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 been done elsewhere. So um, you know we might be pleasantly um, you know surprised by some of the extra uh, things that they're able to bring to the table by um, you know by bringing this out maybe in a different time frame to others.
1: Well, I, I guess one of the main things about COVID nineteen from the New Zealand perspective is how pleasantly surprised we've been, or maybe not surprised, but just how well the country has handled it.
0: Um, so, absolutely, I mean, this, you know, very, very encouraging, isn't it, to see those numbers are dramatically lower than the many of the predictions, which is 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 great. I mean, it's sad to see the those that have um, that have passed away, but. Um, you know we're we're in a much better position than than many, many other parts of the world, that's mm. for sure. Um and look, i'm I'm keen, we'll chat about this a little bit more. Um, you know during during the episode is you know what are what are some of our uh, opportunities uh, going forward, and we want to talk a bit about um, the the health tech uh, sector in particular. Um, and um, and you know whether whether health tech and and um, you know the broader tech sector can be a, a little bit of a savior in these times where we know the international tourism industry is um, is hit but onto to a, a, a couple of other bits of I guess uh, areas for discussion now there's a a tech company that we've talked about on the um, on the podcast I guess over a number of years magic leap who were, you know, really touted for for a long time as as being kind of the the leaders, the the innovators when when it um, came to uh, augmented reality, and for for a long time, um, you know, none of their technology saw the light the light of day. It was really uh, just that it got um, you know attention. They got a lot of uh, funding, billions of dollars um worth of uh, funding uh, over the last uh, decade. And um, you know, it was pretty interesting to to follow, but then they took a long time to um, to make anything available. and um, then they've been um, uh, pivoting it seems, and possibly some sort of a t- you know tie-in with the pressures of uh, of COVID, uh, Nineteen, and they've announced the layoff of a thousand um, a thousand staff, and also the news that they're going in a in a similar direction, I suppose, to where Microsoft have gone with their Hololens, and they're really moving away from a focus on on a consumer uh, product, and they're really looking at um, you know the business uh, uses of their augmented reality uh technology so yeah a little bit a little bit sad to uh to to hear that and i know um you know virtual reality and augmented reality have have been uh, you know big in the news over the last uh, you know f- five um years or so especially but um yeah it's a it's another um i guess bit of news that says well this text maybe maybe got a big role or or an important role to play in the business world but um you know might might not be as relevant for um for individuals as as we first thought and i guess this is at the same time as uh Apple, for instance, and and others are you know putting more effort into the augmented reality um, aspects of their devices. So, Greg, mm-hmm. your iPhone Eleven there has um, you know some quite uh, uh, you know good capabilities in terms of um, you know vir- virtual uh, reality uh, software and 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 processing that can be done on its screen and you know getting your phone to uh, uh, be a virtual ruler and and whatnot. So. Uh, um, yeah it's 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 interesting times. you must have uh, followed some of uh, what's been going on in the in the um, this area of virtual reality and augmented reality. any um, you know any observations from uh, from your perspective or any areas that have sort of caught your attention?
1: Yeah, I guess from from our perspective, there's been a, a lot of excitement and some major players spending a lot of lot of money Um, I'm not sure if always the sort of commercial application um, for those solutions has been totally clear Um, and so whilst the uh, technology is exciting it seems kind of early days in terms of looking for a home and as you point out where does that technology sit in terms of what kind of devices Um, and so it sounds like uh, the market's sort of sorting that out, but certainly Magic Leap in the tin office 18 months ago, everyone was talking about it and it was kind of mysterious. Um, they're getting lots of money, um, had connections to New Zealand. Um, all, all sounded very exciting, but that's the nature of tech. And, um, you know, sometimes you've got to push out the barrow and, you know, find if it's um, got somewhere to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and look, I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of investment that gets dropped into, um, you know, new, new technologies that is quite speculative and, you know, the, mm. I guess that's, um, you know, that, that's the nature of a, of a lot of, um, you know, that, that early stage funding um it's it's put in because in some cases there are you know massive uh, return on it there's a massive return on investment you know a- as there has been for the the likes of um, you know early investments and in, in Facebook and um, Airbnb and, and and uber and the like um, and so you know there's there's often these um, you know crazy valuations that are um, that are put on um, you know new new tech startups and um, mm. look I think investors know that not all of it's going to get a pan out uh, maybe as well as they they um they hoped right so it's just a, it's the, the the harsh reality
1: well who would have invested in a in you know a, a um, rocket company based in New Zealand
0: you Yeah I mean it's a good it's a it's a, yeah it's a, it's a it's a good example right you know anyone getting into that needed to either really really understand um understand it well um or, yeah. or or be willing to take a big bet and maybe you know probably a combination of the two and and hence yeah. why um you know most of the funding for rocket lab um you know came out of the US um mm. you know I think Sir Stephen Tyndall's uh, um, K1w1 fund was was probably the you know the primary uh you know investment uh, here. Um, from a New Zealand perspective, there. But um, look, I, th- I think long term that one's going to pan out uh, reasonably well, based on uh, you know how how they're going currently. Right, oh, absolutely. Mm. Now, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about a uh, actually a company we were we were just mentioning, um, Uber, and Uber Eats seems to be. Um, I don't know. You could you could say putting a bad taste in people's mouths at the moment. Uh, you know they're they they're getting a lot of uh, a lot of negative attention about the thirty to thirty five percent that they charge restaurants. Um, plus, there's a delivery fee that they charge to uh, customers. And I saw there was uh, there was a um, a blog post put out by um, the ex head of um, um sorry, uber eats in uh in new, Ze- in new zealand sort of talking about the challenges of um of others launching services but of course you know we have seen uh we have seen that there's there are a bunch of uh companies and approaches being taken to how do we put as much um the challenge of how do we put um you know the money we we spend with um our local restaurants and uh, takeaways and cafes straight into their pockets, rather than um, Uber Eats taking a big, uh, big chunk of it. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and look, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, challenge because when we, when we look at uh, Uber and uh, and Uber Eats, they they don't seem to be a profitable. Um, organization and uh you know they're now listed on the um uh the stock exchange uh their value got uh, you know pretty low comparatively to uh, what a lot of investors originally went in at um but we've got a bunch of entities now are working pretty hard um to um i don't know eat a little bit of their lunch um as, as as it were greg what are your th- What are your thoughts uh, in terms of um, you know being able to compete with U- Uber Eats? I, I see that uh, we have um, e-scooter operator uh, Flamingo um, has hired. I th- I think I read a um, uh, hundred riders, oh. and um, they they're working to be able to do uh, deliveries from uh, today. Um, we've got, um, menu, the menu log, uh, service, which is, um, you know, been running for, for a long time is, uh, going to halve its food delivery, um, commission rate from, uh, 14% to 7%, um, until, uh, until June one. So a reasonably short period of time, but certainly a way to, Um, you know, to win some some attention. Um, And Zomato saying they're offering two months of uh, um, commission-free deliveries. So, and then I think Wellington, you've got, um, uh, or Wellington-based Deliver Easy, uh, which operates around the country, and they've got, um, you know, 500 or so restaurant partners and uh, 600 or so um, drivers, and they're expecting to uh, expand into um, Auckland and Christchurch in, in the weeks ahead. Um, so th- th- there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, different competitors who are ready to, uh, um, you know, to to give it a go. And I think, you know, Kiwis want to see... Um, those local businesses that have been you know struggling because they've had to be closed uh, during this lockdown period, um, they want to see them get back in and, and really stand on their feet and, and do well. Is this the right approach for us to, um, sort of have, have some entities that uh compete with Uber Eats? So, I think one of the, the exci- exciting things,
1: um, or shifts to come out of. COVID-19 and the lockdown, uh, whether or not these will have longer term impact on the way that people buy buy things, particularly food. Um, Now, will people return to restaurants and takeaways in the way that they have? Will they they order out more? Uh, Will they work more from home? And so I guess companies in the space are predicting that this is going to be a bigger market. Um, and this is perhaps going to be the catalyst for um, significant change in these things. Um, so I'm not surprised that you know, Uber Eats would face uh, more competition and people will be looking at the cost structure of the way that you can compete uh, against uh, Uber Eats. But yeah, I think it's an exciting space. You know, what
0: the economies of scale are, et cetera, um, remain to be seen. Yeah, and look, it, it, it's it's hard to know from here, um, you know, just how how profitable individual markets are for um, for Uber Eats, and it, you know it could well be that they're very profitable off the New Zealand um, market, and they want that to help, you know, fund other other countries and 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 other areas and you know we don't we don't know those, those sorts of uh, details but you know i think most of us would uh would prefer as much of uh, that we spend it as possible um you know stay in new zealand rather than floating floating offshore so you know i'm very supportive from that perspective um hmm. i guess the market's only so big so it'll be interesting to see you know where th- where things get to in, in sort of six to uh, six to twelve months, and yeah. you know I would I'd hope we'll have some uh, we'll have some really really good um, you know startups that have come out of this or or existing um, entities that have um, you know that have thrived and and grown.
1: And the change in social media that um, you know, the number of websites now like Menu Log etc where you can find out um, categories to order online. Um, are becoming far more well socialised um, amidst certain groups, so that people are aware of the choices increasingly. Whereas before, it was more specialised.
0: Yep, yep. No, I think you're you're right. And look, there's yeah, there's been so much going on on social media because that's what we've been you know forced to do over this period. Um, you know, it, it has. Had iPhones, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, now countdown um it was interesting to read uh today that they have a um a grocery robot uh in in operation and um you know i guess you know i'm always i'm always interested to see what's what's coming next in terms of uh um automation and how how is technology going to uh disrupt and uh and and change the world in which which we live um and so, yeah, it was very, very curious that um, to to hear that um, you know Countdown have this six meter tall robot. Um, they're making it um, um, a little bit more relatable too by giving it a, a name. They've called it Kai, um, and it's being used in, um, I guess, um, what we, we might call a, a dark store. So um, basically, a um, um, a supermarket that you can't go into because it's basically uh, there f- just for doing um, e-commerce shipments from. And so, yeah, pretty um, pretty interesting to read. That's a you know a pretty a pretty tall robot at six meters. Um, Greg, you're pretty tall, but um, um, Kai seems to uh, I I, w- I would imagine would be uh, towering even above you. I'm disappointed I didn't get offered a job. <laughs> you might have needed you might have needed um, stilts, but uh, yeah. my understanding is it's um, the robot can do shelf stacking. Um, it's designed to uh, identify uh, hazards. I guess you wouldn't want a, a six meter tall um, robot, um, you know, tripping over and squashing somebody mm. or uh, knocking uh, knocking shelves over and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, in- interesting to see. And I and look. I think this is an important reality that there's still a lot of people uh, maybe haven't come to grips with is that there will be an increasing amount of automation um, and robotics used, and it will just become, you know, more and more commonplace as as we go forward. And it maybe isn't what we want to hear from a perspective of, well, we've got a lot of Kiwis whose, you know, work will be um, or already has been impacted by COVID-19. Um, but it also is, I think, part of the, the solution uh, for our organisations to be, um, you know, efficient and effective is using technology um, in the in the appropriate places. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and no, I guess those two are, are quite related. Well, obviously related is what you, you included them back to back, is that the centralised distribution and then You know, you're getting uh, creating jobs in terms of deliveries for people, and and the sort of more custom door to door might be a sort of a a trend of the future, Um, particularly if you're getting people whose health
0: is compromised living at home. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, during this window of time, we've certainly seen, um, you know, a huge increase. Um, you know, for for reasonably obvious reasons, in terms of uh, ordering online, where people can go and um, you know and pick up their orders, um, or of online deliveries, and really the main challenge has been, um, you know, the the limitation and the abilities of our um, our supermarkets to. Um, actually manage those orders and and hence why we're seeing these kind of dark stores and uh, you know e-commerce distribution centers um, you know starting to open at you know possibly a quicker pace than they they would have um, otherwise and um, you know we we I think we need to as a country we need to be moving forward on these initiatives we've spoken about on the podcast before Um, you know at some at some stage we you know we could easily see international players you know the likes of Amazon uh, move into the market uh, we've seen uh, what is it uh, cost as a costco, costco. Um, yeah. you know that are that are, that are gearing up for uh, you know launch into the New Zealand market and so the more of these international players that 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 uh, come in um the more at risk our local entities are um and you know i i for one would uh, would much prefer that our um our, our local um you know stores and and chains be uh be dominant and innovate uh, ahead of the international players um that said i think um uh the supermarket chain where uh we're talking about here is of course part of um Woolworths Group, which is um, Australian-owned, so uh, um, you know we're already in that state where um, you know r- roughly half of our um, our supermarkets are um, um, are owned outside of New Zealand, um, and we're obviously in, a, in an even you know uh, lesser um, extent of of um, market share when it comes to um, banking. So um, yeah, look, I think um, you know let's uh let's hope our um our local entities can um you know can can really get uh uh get or continue to uh, to keep their pace up and um and and own these areas that otherwise may be may be ceded to international players um now on to it's time to talk greg um about the Health Tech Insights Report 2020. Now, this is a production of of um, of your company, the Technology Investment Network, or, or Tin, yes. um, as you're often uh, referred to. Okay. And of course, you've got your annual um, re- report, which which comes out, which covers really you know all of all of um, technology. And um, maybe you can run us through a couple of highlights from the um, you know the last Tin report that's been. Probably, I don't know, six six months or so since we um since we last talked about um uh the the, the tin report, sort of, you know, maybe slightly more than that, sort of leading up to um to your big uh, launch event late last year. Um and then maybe we can go into um you know what's happening from from a health tech perspective.
1: Yes, so for those people listening to the podcast that aren't familiar with Tim, for the past 16 years now, we've been producing a report on New Zealand's technology export sector. So these are companies in the area of um, ICT, high-value or high-tech manufacturing and biotechnology, who export um, those solutions offshore. So export in the uh, common word of the term, use of the term, rather than putting something on a ship and uh, taking a box from A to B. Um, and so, over the past twenty years, um, the technology export sector um, has become the third largest uh, source of foreign revenue, or third largest export sector for New Zealand. And potentially, in uh, this year, will uh, this year that we're in will eclipse um, tourism, depending on how things pan out. So, last year, uh, technology exports accounted for about eight, uh, sorry, nine billion dollars of uh, offshore revenue growing at 11 percent per annum um, whereas the tourism sector was uh, about 11 billion dollars and had plateaued Um, and so we expect that uh, the growth will continue for many of the those companies and there's reasons to um, think that uh, the tech export sector will weather the storm better than most and more so uh, than, nothing more so than the health tech sector, which has got some large companies like Fisher & Paykel Healthcare or Douglas Pharmaceuticals, Orion Health, AFT Pharmaceuticals. And so some of those companies have enjoyed extraordinary growth in the past 12 months, and some of them, particularly like uh, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare and AFT, are growing because of uh, COVID-19. And so we decided last year to, uh, we're approached by Diana Sue from uh, the CMDT, Centre for Medical Device Technologies and MedTech Core, to produce a report profiling the companies in the sector. One of the reasons for doing that was that it's such a specialised area um, that it's not necessarily popular with investors. And so... One, we wanted to promote the existence of those companies and what they did, um, and um, demonstrate and illustrate the success that they're enjoying. And so, the technology export sector um, turns over close to two billion dollars, around about one point nine billion dollars per annum, and has had a five-year CAGR of about nine percent. So strong uh, growth. Um, so you know, roughly ten percent per annum close to $2 billion, an increase of $200 million every year uh, with with associated growth in jobs. This is is
0: health tech specifically?
1: Just specifically health tech. Yep. And so the difference with those kind of jobs is the average wage is about $86,000 per annum uh, across those companies. And so they're high value jobs and highly skilled. And... The reason, one of the reasons for promoting uh, health tech um, is that the reason these companies are, are successful is not an accident. This is the kind of thing we do well in New Zealand with small, multidisciplinary teams, uh, egalitarian society that embraces diversity. So there's free communication in those teams um, to turn out uh, highly polished, competitive solutions cost effectively. Um, and probably no better company to illustrate that than uh, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, which I think is now the largest company on the NZX by market capitalization. Um So it's most of the, the their companies are a, 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 a long-term growth story um, and often high risk, which is why you know often retail investors are a little bit anxious because they don't understand the technical risk. But the return to the economy is massive.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, yeah, look, looking at the list, um, I wonder, um, and I'm looking at the, the top companies, we've got Orion Health, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, um, Douglas Pharmaceuticals uh, right at the top, and, and then into a bunch of others. How, how do you uh, define health tech? What, is, what, is, what fits into that, um, that category?
1: So they're companies um, who who are in digital health, basically IT solutions, uh, service providers uh, for specific uh, uh, solutions in healthcare. Um, They're uh, high-value, high-tech manufacturing, primarily around medical uh, devices. And then in in the biotechnology space, they're people primarily focused on pharmaceuticals like Douglas Pharmaceuticals or... AFT Pharmaceuticals,
0: right? So yeah, I, I did wonder about Douglas Pharmaceuticals because they're they're more, um, you know, pr- producing you know drugs, as it were, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, they're the uh, um, pharmaceuticals are the, uh, obviously the as uh, a, a small but fast growing part of the the overall sector, and one of the stories about the sector is that it's Previously, been dominated, of course, by uh, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare, but now we're getting a raft of other companies uh, coming through, um, and uh, the success is spread more broadly across from pharmaceuticals to software to uh, medical devices.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's it's really encouraging. Um, now, when when we when we look at um, our economy where where do you sort of see um you know health health tech going particularly at this time where we're we're in a um you know in a time where the whole economy the whole country has been um you know disrupted by COVID 19. what's that what's that opportunity for us to take um from from here is it should health tech be something that we're really Um, you know, focusing focusing in on, or is it not fast enough in terms of its potential growth? What are your thoughts?
1: Um, We're at health tech or anything else. Um, In my view, there are three things that we should be doing. One is look at those companies who are actually succeeding because of COVID-19, like the Fisher & Paycalls or AFTs, those who have an opportunity because of this and are already growing strongly. And the question is, how can we promote more growth from those companies? Um, How can we uh, make them want to, well, obviously, increase their sales offshore, but particularly employ more New Zealanders? And so that could be uh, support those companies acting collegially, like supporting each other in terms of sales introductions, looking at, at ways that they can finance bringing investment forward um, on things that they might have spread out over multiple years, perhaps in terms of either debt, um, slow interest debt, uh, or, or grants to encourage them uh, to be uh, more aggressive. Um, so essentially trying trying to find ways to keep that momentum going. Then on the second level, you've got companies that aren't, aren't growing because of COVID-19, but are largely unaffected. Um, and so that describes a lot of uh, uh, the tin companies of New Zealand technology sectors. So they're providing B2B solutions, often essential IT infrastructure to make the company uh, tick over. And in this case, as people move to more um, online shopping or ordering and, and opportunities like payment solutions, um are one where people are looking at more ways to, to buy, companies are looking at ways to manage their inventory, like we're talking about the robot from Countdown, and get it cost-effectively into people's homes. And there are plenty of tech companies operating in those spaces, so looking at those companies, and again, what can we do to create more opportunities for them? And then the third sector are those smaller companies who are looking to establish themselves and for lack of funding might not otherwise survive and saying, well, what are the longer term opportunities there? And we don't want to end the COVID-19 period with our our startup uh, ecosystem wiped out because people got timid. I think the key thing that you want to say, where is the largest economic growth opportunity for New Zealand to, to keep our economy going and to soak up some of those jobs? And to me, that's that's the tech sector, um, and so we need to be radical in thinking about ways that we can keep that momentum going.
0: Great, yeah, no, I'm in, I'm definitely in, in agreement there. I guess the um, you know what those radical things look like come you know come comes down to um, you know the. The various businesses that are already in the space, and uh, you know, entrepreneurs wanting to uh, wanting to get in there and get going. But you know, we need to make sure that they're, um, um, you know, th- those entities are are supported with funding. And as you say, that we're not uh, we're not too timid in terms of uh, uh, moving forwards. Uh, yes. Yeah, so if you look
1: at the health tech se- sector specifically, um, the local. Uh, um, Hospital infrastructure that the DHBs are, are notoriously uh, uh, often difficult to collaborate with simply because they're often underfunded, running short of budget, and, and overworked. Um, so, we need, we need basically to help facilitate um, the introduction of these companies to our existing ecosystem. To enable yes. th- these companies to run trials and get first revenue in a way that benefits mo- both parties in terms of creating efficiencies and saving costs. And so I, I think we can leverage a health system to be a springboard um, for the uh, health tech sector um, as a sort of a trial partner proof proof of concept case study. In the same way that we will leverage New Zealand's incredible response, you know, the leadership and and uh, cohesion that New Zealand has shown um, to reflect what's good about our country, and so how do you leverage that? Well, in doing those kind of kinds of things, and to consider options we might not
0: have considered before. Mm, mm. Yeah, look, the, the, I guess the, the state of our health system uh, locally is a challenge, but it probably in some ways that also brings with it, uh, you know, op- opportunities um they might, you know may, may not be quite um uh quite the ideal position to to be in but uh you know i guess sometimes these these, these challenges help uh, help breed new ideas and um and and new solutions now are there any particular um you know companies that people might not have heard about you know we've talked about some of the um the bigger names but um you know are there are there um you know one or two um that you can maybe tell us about that have that have got interesting uh stories now of course i should mention that people can go to the um to tin100.com and they can get access to to this report by registering on the website um but yeah i'm i'm just curious there were so many um uh companies in there were there any particular ones you wanted to um, you wanted to mention and of course, you've got your own um, uh, startup, uh, Verify, which is is probably one you could uh, you could you could tell us about, uh, too, Greg. If, if if we had a, a spare hour or two, um, but uh, yeah, are there, are there any ones you think might might be uh, of of interest to listeners?
1: Oh, I th- I think there's a, the whole whole bunch. Um, one of the ones that's been exciting um, at the moment in terms of concerning its funding plans is. Um, arrived Biosurgery, uh, which has got a wound care solution. I think they've been talking about uh, listing on the um, ASX. I'm not sure if that's been officially noted. Um, the Insides company uh, spun out of Auckland University is looking at um, doing some highly innovative solutions in terms of um, surgery around uh, bowel cancer. Um, our own company, um, Verify, um, has developed a solution um, that's essentially an analyzer that uses lasers to uh, verify intravenous drugs, both the identity and the concentration to prevent medication error. And there's a, I think, a whole bunch of solutions um, that are COVID-19 relevant um, in terms of how do you safely uh, care for elderly patients without them bring bring them into the primary care or tertiary care. Uh, situation where they might be exposed to COVID nineteen, so it's kind of the Uber Eats um, automatic robot and countdown solution to healthcare. That how do you maintain uh, transparency in terms of what's going on and quality of healthcare for he- people who are broadly spread out in their place of living in the community. And so I think that's the opportunity for New Zealand. Uh, A lot of DHBs need a renovation, they need new buildings. So if you can take the patient load off hospitals, enable them to be safely cared for in their home, then you're potentially saving millions of dollars or or billions of dollars of capital investment um, to build much larger hospitals.
0: Mm. And and I think we're we're also we've you know we've got to a time where there's a um a much better understanding. And more, more buy-in, I think, to the approach that um, you know healthcare should be as proactive as possible, and you know rather than the old um, you know traditional ambulance at the at the bottom of the cliff type you know approach that we we should be trying to um, you know minimize minimize uh, health issues and and you know address them you know much earlier. And so, you know, again, I think that sort of, you know, lines up with, um, with what you're talking about there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so this, I think transparency and um, digitising healthcare is such a key. You know, you're talking about contact tracing. So all of us in some way going to compromise our, our privacy uh, to enable it, um, uh, us to be tracked essentially for the greater good of the community. And it, it's the right thing to do. And I think increasingly we'll see efficiencies created uh, by uh, creating transparency for the patient and the healthcare system around diagnosis, uh, treatment, medication, delivery, patient outcomes. And the exciting thing is in New Zealand there's a range of companies that are providing solutions in this space that could create enormous efficiency and be an example
0: for the rest of the world. Mm, mm. Well, I look forward to seeing how uh, how things cr- progress. I think um, some stats I saw suggest about thirty um, percent of the population uh, disagrees on the the idea of. Um, um, giving up uh, the pri- privacy or giving up information to run run the app. So it'll be interesting, uh, you know, over the weeks ahead as we get that app um, available and into people's hands. Just, you know, what percentage of the population that uh, you know end up installing it? Because the, obviously, the 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 more people that install it, the the more effective that uh, that that whole. Um, that whole system is, but um, yeah, that's we. I mean, we, we certainly have on, on, ongoing challenges, and um, often, um, um, you know, unfortunately, um, some of those those privacy issues have have come from um, you know governments not 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 uh, taking seriously enough their role of um, you know protecting people's um, data. But uh, you know, I've got to say, what I've seen of these uh, these apps to date. Um, has been has been certainly the you know the singapore one and and uh, so on has been reasonably encouraging um, but the idea that they want more and more data to sort of feed back into their database um, you know potentially will get them offside with people so i i hope they you know they make that optional if they're asking for people to feed in more um you know more data i think it just needs to be as easy as possible for people to get started and to uh, to run the app
1: and i oh, absolutely you've You know, there are limits, obviously, in terms of infringement of privacy. Um, But if you look at the downside in terms of the billions of dollars uh, COVID-19 has cost New Zealand, you know, you say, what would you do to prevent that? What would you do to prevent the loss of of lives and, and the loss of jobs? And so, you know, the country has done well. Uh, so far and, and uh, you know, trying to stop loss of life. Big challenge now is um, how do we stop it happening again mm. and having a, a cost-effective healthcare system? And then beyond that, you know, how do we take all of these learnings? I think there's a real opportunity for the tech sector to lead a, sh- a slingshot in terms of um, resurgence in the New Zealand economy. Um, and we, as a as a country, need to think as openly on that as we have done with sitting in our living rooms for four weeks trying to do work.
0: Mm. Well, thank you, Greg. It's been great having you on the show. Was there anything Thanks else for... you wanted to um, add before we uh, before we finish up? I know you've got so many insights, and it's it's very hard to sort of draw a line under these things.
1: Oh, I'd I'd just like to um, I well. Just for, firstly, compliment uh, the government and the leadership of Jacinda Ardern. I think everyone agree would agree, no matter what political persuasion they've uh, come from, um, that they've done an incredible job. Um, and I just feel uh, grateful to be here, um, grateful, for, like all of us, to be in New Zealand. Um, but I think um, it's unfortunate it's something that we didn't invite and in the, in the deaths are tragedies. Uh, but there's an opportunity in, in, um, for New Zealand in this. And I think increasingly New Zealand is a nation whose time has come. And if people want to find out more about the TIN report or the health tech uh, report, the health tech report is free. So you can go and download it uh, from our website and uh, You uh, you can uh, buy copies of the the TIN report on the website, too, Um, and um, the 2020 TIN report will
0: be coming out um, probably in early November. Great i oh, think thank you greg um and thanks everybody for listening in now just a, a little reminder um we have a bunch of other podcasts available at, at podcasts.nz uh, um there's this climate business which is uh, one of our, our uh, newest which um mm. comes from uh, um vincent herringer um and uh yeah he, he's talking about uh, climate change and really the um Um, the way that crosses over into business and the interesting uh, opportunities that that creates Uh, we have the uh, New Zealand everyday investor uh, podcast we have the New Zealand business podcast uh, New Zealand wine podcast the electric vehicle podcast Um, so you know there's 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 something there for uh, for everyone I think. Um, so if you're not listening to uh, one or two of our other shows, then uh, now's a, now's a good time um, to maybe fire up your uh, your podcast app and subscribe to something uh, something new. Um, all right, well that, that's it for this week. So uh, thanks everybody for listening in. Thanks, uh, thank you, Greg Shanahan, for uh, for joining the show, and uh, we'll catch you all again next week. All right, see ya. Yeah, bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast.